This week on episode 5 of Split Decision, we recap UFC Vegas 77, take a look ahead to UFC London, we'll give you our top 5 favorite Brits of all time and more. Diving into our UFC Vegas 77 recap, we'll start off with the main event, Holly Holm versus Myra, Myra Buena Silva. What'd you think of this fight? Man, uh, Buena Silva, she had a good performance. She kind of showed uh, that she's a legit contender in the in the division. Uh, she got Holly Holm, I believe the term is a ninja choke. Made ninja choke. Modified ninja is what it, uh, what it ended up being. I had her... Uh, Kind of building confidence to the end of the first round. And then at the start of the second round, she kind of caught Holly Holmes going for a takedown. And she cinched up that ninja choke and uh, just held it in standing, standing until Holly, Holly nice. tapped. Quick tap. Um, you know, I think that's just part of the game. Holly Holmes, 41 years old. This is an up-and-coming girl, Buena Silva. Uh, it's just a career... You. I'm not going to say going down, but it's not on the upswing versus the career in like the middle of an upswing. She moved up to the in third in the rankings now, Bueno Silva, so she's definitely a contender. Uh, yeah, honestly, I think that's just what happened. It was just two careers going in different directions. Yeah, and, and definitely Holly Holm will be back. All right, so the next fight is the co-main event of the evening, Jack Della Maddalena versus Basil Hafez. Coming in, I think everybody thought this was going to be a quick fight and JDM was going to steamroll Hafez. But on the contrary, this is probably the closest fight of the night. Yeah, I had uh, Basil Hafez winning the first round, uh, keeping control, showing his skills. I think Della Maddalena, as well as the rest of the entire world, were completely shocked by this. Yeah, late a late replacement uh, first fight in the UFC. He really put on a good show. Yeah, uh, Madalena won the second and third round. He did take, at least in our opinion, he did take the fight by split decision. Yeah, I had it uh, two rounds to, to one for JDM. But that second round, honestly, it depends what you value more. JDM had more damage on the feet. Hafez had the control on the ground. Yeah, it, it, this, this is could have gone either way, but I had a JDM two rounds to one. I as well. Listen, this is a lot, very similar to kind of what everybody thought was going to happen with the Bo Nickel-Val uh, Woodburn fight from last week. Basil Hafez, that guy's a contender. He needs to be kept in, not a contender yet. I'm saying he's on his way to being a contender. He definitely belongs in the UFC. Right. I, I doubted him. Uh, 98% of everybody else on the planet doubted him. I looked on Burdick, and the most popular prediction for the fight was a first-round knockout. I that's think that's what, what I had to. Yeah, yeah, right. And uh, I think everybody thought that, and he really put on a good show where it was arguable he, he did win the fight. Uh, but yeah, props to these two guys. This is a good fight. Now, one quick question before we move on. Do you think this spells danger for Della Maddalena, or do you think he's still on his rise? I think he's still on this rise. This was probably a big, big wake-up call for him, though. But you also got to still remember, he had to cut weight twice in two weeks. That takes a toll on your body. This is his third opponent in uh, a week. So you can't put all your stock into that. It was kind of crazy circumstances. But in the same breath, I think he's still got the win, but it's still a good wake-up call. This is probably the best thing that could have happened. I think I have intentions of saying this every time. But every lightweight fight, 
you have to be a killer. And Francisco Prado proved that against uh, Otman Azater here. Otman Azater looked, in my opinion, to uh, kind of have the stronger chances to win. They were both kind of minus, minus odds. Yeah, it was kind of a, a toss-up, but I think he had a little bit better odds, Azater. He did. Um, dude, towards the end of round one, Prada just ducked down, threw that spinning elbow, and sent Azater to the floor. The hammer fist kind of at the end. Not a late stoppage by any standpoint. Just just the right amount, and the, the fight was stopped. First round knockout, right inside of four minutes. I mean, it, it was a great fight. This is kind of what we're, we're always looking for in a lightweight fight, specifically. It was a great performance from Prado and a huge win for him. He was coming off the first loss of his career in his first UFC fight. He came in, he got a finish, which he was known for, uh, against a pretty good a guy that you know has held up pretty well in the UFC. Uh, an impressive win for Prado. This is just what his career needed. And you always wonder how, a, especially a young guy, once they lose their first fight, how they're going to respond. And this is just a, a fantastic way to respond. Yeah, I, I doubted the young man. Uh, he's 21, like you said. I, I like to say young man when they're younger than me. It makes me feel old. Um, but he, he really went out and, sh and showed what he's been working with, uh, you know, showed what his camp has been training on. And, and he dominated Azader, which... Honestly, had he not been kicked out of the UFC, I think his career would be on a completely different trajectory at this moment. And the UFC have another uh, Argentinian fighter, so this is a, a new, a new uh, market opening up for him, too. Okay, so the next fight on the card was John Young Park, Albert Durayev. How'd you see this one going, Alex? Man, I, I honestly thought Park was going to kind of do what he likes to do. Uh, he's won a few of his past fights. Uh, by guillotine or rear naked choke he likes to choke people he really likes to choke people and you know what we were right he choked him out albert Durayev went down in the second round um he put in the work with the body kicks and punches huh right Park. so at the end of the first round he had you know a guillotine going in and honestly his biggest problem there was just the clock on i don't know how Durayev didn't tap but you know it was one of those, I think he, he kind of willed it because that choke was in. I think he knew the clock and he was just, I think you could, you could will it for a little while and he kind of did that to, just to survive. Do you think if you Instant hear, it's survival mode. Do you think if you hear the big, the claps, like, you know 10 seconds is left in the round, do you think that kind of, like you said, gives them the will, like, oh, if I'm not going to sleep, don't tap because no matter what, I can just get back up. I think so. I think it would give anybody the will, especially if you don't know the time and you hear that. It's probably the best relief in the world. Yeah. So at the beginning of round two, Duray, I really tried to kind of like power it on, you know, kind of do a lot of damage. He was hurt, so I think he knew that was probably the only way he could he could win the fight. Yeah. Um, and then Park just kind of went back at it, like you said, with great body work. He dropped Duray up to the canvas. He finished him with his, I'll, I'll dare say it at this point, his signature rear naked choke. So I completely expected the Chelsea Chandler versus Norma Dumont fight to go a completely different way. And not in the fact that like I was pinning everything I had against Chelsea Chandler winning. I just thought it was going to be, at the very least, a solid back and forth. It was a dominant performance from Norma Dumont, honestly. Uh, she came in in the first minute, literally, 
had, I'm sure everybody's seen it by now, it's a meme by now, literally had Chelsea Chandler sprint across the octagon because she got hit so hard. Dude, she wasn't rocked. She sprinted across with full uh, cognitive ability across the octagon. She wanted no part. Yeah, she got, like, I, the simplest way to put it is I think she got scared. That's what it looked like. And give her credit, she kept, she did fight for the rest of the fight to a decision. It was a decision loss. She had a couple nice shots in there, but she, Chelsea Chandler, kind of got dominated by Dumont. It was a very, very impressive from Norma. Yeah, Norma had a very dominant performance. Uh, I feel like that sprint away kind of lost Chandler's momentum altogether. I mean, it was in the first minute of the fight. There was no momentum to be had. That just... No, I'm saying, like, you're, you're hype. You know, they had, they had a pre-fight scuffle after the weigh-in. You know, uh, Norma saying some very nasty things about Chandler's mother. And her. And her. Um, but all in all, I thought I just even I thought it was going to be a competitive fight. Honestly, I thought we were going to have a fun competitive performance and Dumont just completely dominated this fight. Yeah, I think this fight is a classic uh, case of there's levels to this and Norma Dumont's on a different level than Chelsea Chandler. All right, so the last fight we're going to cover uh, from UFC Vegas 77 was the opening fight of the main card. Terrence McKinney, Nazim Sadikov. How'd you see this one going? So originally, I thought uh, Sadikov was going to win. I didn't think it was going to kind of go the way the fight went. Uh, McKinney opened up with some some kind of body lock wrestling stuff. Or maybe not body lock, but, you know, hand lock wrestling stuff. He was classic Terrence McKinney where he came out and he looked pretty good in the first round, but he didn't get that finish. Yeah, Sadikov uh, opened a little faster in the second. Um, he stopped the takedown. Kind of, you know, at that point he knew that Terrence wasn't coming out with this straight, you know, one-punch knockout trying to, you know, win the fight in seven seconds. Yeah, McKinney, like his last. you could tell after the first round. I think this was, he hasn't had many fights go out of the first round. No, um, he's only had one go into the third. There's been a few go into the second, but he's had uh, 12 first-round finishes. He's He kind of lost some steam, it looked like, in the sec- coming out in the second round. Yeah, now, listen, McKinney was right. He complained on, on social media after the fight about uh, Sadikov grabbing the fence. You go back and rewatch the fight. He grabbed the fence a good bit. And it got him in position. It did help get him in position. But at the end of the day, uh, Terrence being shoved up against the fence like that, Either way, I think this round and probably the fight was going to Sadikov in the second round. He he kind of got pummeled once he got onto the ground. And with, you know, only having one arm, Sadikov was able to kind of cinch in the choke pretty quickly. Led to a very quick tap by McKinney. Well, yeah, there's nothing you can do once your arm's trapped in and you're getting choked. I mean, unless you want to get choked unconscious, you might as well just tap. Because there's literally nothing you can do. Yeah, I don't think anybody but somebody like Steve-O would be a fan of getting choked unconscious. And moving on to our weekly bets and picks to recap kind of what happened with UFC Vegas 77. Uh, it wasn't the best for bets. I'll say it. Start off. Christian, what'd you do? I went 1-2 and two in bets this week after two straight 3-0 and o weeks, so that's a little disappointing. I got the Park money line right. I got Chandler money line and T-Rex, Terrence McKinney money line wrong. Okay. So that's fair. I also went one and two. Uh, went slightly different. So you had two three and zero weeks in a row. Gave you a little bit of a cushion uh, coming into your first um, under fifty percent week of the season. Um, mine went 
the same two weeks in a row, not the percentage of bets right-wise, uh, with a cancellation of my bet. Uh, this week I had Nazim Sadikov, Chelsea Chandler, and what was my third bet? Uh, Parisian over it. was Parisian over uh, Walt Harris. Walt Harris. And, and that, that one got canceled. Right, that one got canceled. Then I ended up putting it on um, Chelsea Chandler, lost that bet. So it, it just wasn't good for me either. That's the second week in a row I had a bet get canceled. But, you know, I'm still over 50%, so we live to fight another day. Uh, what about picks, Christian? How'd you do on picks? I struggled on picks too, honestly. I went 2-4 and four this week, so that's very disappointing. Uh, the only ones I got right were Park and JDM. Thank God Della Maddalena won on the cards, or else I would have been in real... Uh, have real problems man you and jdm if he would have lost you and him both would have been booed out of here yeah so it's a tough week how'd you do this week uh so i actually went four and two i got four right two wrong i picked uh sadikov i got wrong prado one i i picked a zader um and chandler those are the only two i got wrong but jdm park and bueno silva one um and bucky also went four and two as a little surprise, you know, he, he only got two wrong. He picked McKinney and, uh, what was it? Oh, he picked McKinney and Holmes. Yeah, that's what it was. he picked Holly Holmes. Yeah, so he only got the first fight in the main event wrong. Everything in the middle he got right, uh, moving him to four and two for the week. Pretty good. Yeah, good start for the dog. Uh, to wrap up kind of like a weekly overture to give you like a season-wide uh, stat, uh, so, so far in the season, Christian, with bets, you've won eight, lost four, so you're at 67%, so looking good there. I, for the season on bets, am six wins, five losses, and one uh, fight that I had locked in was uh, drawn a no contest, yes, or a draw, push. so it was a voided bet. Uh, leaves me at 55%. Uh, with the picks, Christian, 16 and 12, 58%. And I am 19 and 9, 68% there. Uh, with Bucky starting off a little bit slower than everybody else, he is 6 and 5, still positive, but you know, a little bit behind everybody. All right, so let's move on to UFC London. Uh, our preview of that. The first fight we're going to take a look at is the first fight on the main card. It's Lerone Murphy versus Joshua. How do you say his last name? I think it's Koolibau. Koolibau. The Australian Koolibau versus the Englishman Murphy. So it's going to be a home uh, home fight for Murphy. Yeah, so uh, Lerone's never been beaten. He's 12-0, one draw. 4-0 and 1 in the UFC. Pretty impressive. He, he's kind of shown he can get it done in the UFC, which we all we always say there's levels to it. Uh, he's he's shown he can at least compete on this level. Yeah, two UFC knockouts, so he can he can get finishes at the in the organization. And then you go to Josh Kulibau. Uh He's trying to extend his win streak to four. So yes, what do you he... think is actually going to happen in this fight? So honestly, I think this might be one of the better fights of the night. Um... My pick for the fight is Murphy. I just think he's a little more skilled than Koulibau. But honestly, it could go either way. Uh, Murphy is my pick. And actually, this is my first bet of the night, too. Uh, my first bet is going to be the over two and a half rounds in this fight. I think this is a fight. Uh, Koulibau's never been finished. 
Murphy, uh, while he has KOs, he also goes the distance a good bit. Uh, I think Murphy's going to win. What about you? I also have uh, Murphy winning, and coincidentally, this is also my first bet of the night, over two and a half rounds. Um, I just, I kind of see this going in Murphy's favor. Not not anything against Koulibau. I think it's going to be a great fight. I just think Murphy has what it takes to uh, kind of outlast him. I think it's going to go to a decision, and I think Murphy's going to kind of show you know, the significant strikes, the damage. you got to remember, he's fighting at home, too. This is a big deal to be fighting in England. They don't do this, you know, but once, twice a year. So this is a big deal for him. Right. And and UFC made it a point to fill this card up with, you know, kind of hometown fighters or home, home country fighters at the very least. All right, moving on to Jai, the black country banger Herbert, versus Ferris, smile killer Zion. This fight at lightweight, is kind of strange for how tall they are, six foot and six foot one. Yeah, you don't see uh, the six foot guys at lightweight very often. Yeah, uh, Herbert drew his last fight against uh, Ludovic Klein. Yeah, he comes in two, three, and one in the UFC. And all three of those losses, he's been finished. So that is something to watch out for for Herbert. I agree. Um, one of the things here, though, with Zion is he's won all of his by decision in the UFC. You know, yeah, his three and two in the UFC all by decision. Right. Wins. He's listen, and he's got five. So he, here's his career wins. He's got five career KOs, four career submissions, and four career submit decisions. So for most of his decisions to come in the UFC, my personal thought is that Jai Herbert is going to have what it takes to uh, kind of win the fight here. See, I don't think that's any indication of his skill level because he has a better record than Ja in the UFC. But I actually do have Ja winning. I think uh, the UFC, he's an Englishman. They wanted to set him up, uh, give him you know, a good uh, matchup for him. I think a Herbert is going to win. Uh, so he's my pick for the fight. He's also my second bet for the fight. I have Jai Herbert money line. Um, that kind of shows you my, where my confidence was. I watched a, you know, as much tape as I could on both of these guys. There's not, you know, a whole lot to, to see of either one of them, even though they both have, you know, 10-plus wins. A lot of those are in regional circuits, and you, you just can't see it. You have to read about it. And it doesn't really show you, you know, everything you can see about that fighter. All right, so the next fight we're going to cover is Paul the Bear Jew Craig, Andre Sergipano Munoz. Paul comes in. He's a jujitsu specialist. He has 16-6 wins. And did I get this right? Do you have one draw? He has one draw? He has one draw, yes. 13 out of his 16 wins are by submission. So this is a guy that likes to choke people. He likes to grab some limbs. Uh, he's 8-6-1 in the UFC, though, so it's kind of been an up-and-down road for him. But he does have some nice finishes, some nice wins. He has a win against the current uh, light heavyweight champ jamal well, i guess he's not the champ anymore jamal hill he, he i was gonna say he it. had to vacate the title recently to a uh completely torn achilles in but a paul, basketball game but yeah but paul's kind of all over the place and then uh munos comes in 23 and 5 this is a dude he also loves submissions he has 15 out of his 23 wins of submissions he loves the arm bar he has multiple wins by the arm bar and he comes in five and one in the ufc but he's coming off his first loss so he it's always interesting to see how some of these guys uh, react to their first loss in the organization. Yeah. Uh, so, so speaking on that, both fighters are coming off of a loss. 
Uh, Paul Craig, you said he was two eight, losses in a row. Eight six and one. Uh, he he's honestly looking to stop the slide here. He's beaten people, as you said, like Jamal Hill, and and in his mind, there's no reason he's losing fights like he's been losing. Listen, he can win by TKO, but I think we all honestly think for him to aim by for the submission here, and you know, not to discredit Munoz at all, but we we just watched Brendan Allen fight, and he was one of the most recent losses to. Uh, Brennan Allen beat Andre Munoz, you know, pretty recently. Yeah, the, in February. Right. So, not to say that this is kind of Munoz's slip, but we might it's be first facing... first loss, though, and that's a killer he lost to, so I don't think that's really anything to hold against him. We might be facing a little bit of adversity in the UFC, seeing how he's going to overcome, you know, on his way to uh, a contention. Yeah, so my pick of the night on this fight uh, is Paul Craig, and he's actually my next bet of the night. I have Paul Craig Moneyline at plus 180. Yeah, I had a lot of trouble finding bets on this card as well. I actually did pick Paul Craig as my Moneyline bet for so my third bet. It's going to come down to one bet between us to see who wins the, the week. Man, I think, honestly, both of us are probably coming off a little scared after going under last week. We're just, we're not trying to, you know, we're not trying to risk it all on uh, on our namesake here. But I do have Paul Craig winning the fight. Paul Craig Moneyline. Let's lock those in. All right, this featherweight bout. Features Nathaniel the Prospect Wood versus Andre Touchy Feely. So, my first opinion on this, just straight out of the bat, is probably the best nickname for a fighter I've ever heard. Touchy Feely. Um, Touchy Feely. It's, it's amazing. That is nice. Um, and then, I mean, if we're going to comment on it, like you said, the prospect. I mean, you can't be twenty. You got to be like twenty-one and be the prospect. You can't be twenty-nine. I know that's not old in UFC terms and MMA terms, but still, you're not a prospect anymore. Yeah. So, Wood's last loss was in bantamweight. I think he's a pretty good technical fighter. Uh, he always kind of finds a way to win. He's two straight wins, 6-2 and two in the UFC. So, yeah, that kind of plays to your point. He, he, uh, he gets dubs more, more times than not. Mr. Touchy-Feely tends to be very touch-and-feely with the losses as of late. He's kind of gotten like, uh, was it loss, no contest, loss, then a win. This is his last one, four. One win in his last four fights. So. Yeah. And it was in his last fight. So before that, he had three straight no-win fights. Yeah, so traditionally, he pretty much goes like uh, win-loss, win-win-loss kind of thing. Yeah, he's 10-8 and one no contest in the UFC, so that kind of plays to that point. He, he's never really uh, established himself as a, a top contender in a division. Right. Nathaniel Wood here, I think, I think he's... He's kind of poised to win this fight. I have him as my pick. I'm not very confident in the money on any of it here. Yeah, minus 190. It's like not. It's not a, enough money for me to put on him. Uh, it's not enough good, good enough return. Right. But I, I also have Wood as my pick. Uh, yeah. I just think he's a guy. On, like we said earlier about uh, Holly Holm, Bueno Silva. Wood's a guy kind of on the rise. They're building his career, and touchy feely. He's kind of just stagnant yeah i think i think we definitely look out for uh nathaniel wood's uh rise to continue here okay so now let's take a look at the co-main event of the evening it's molly the meatball mccann versus julia stolarenko uh molly comes in she's coming off of a loss before that she had three straight wins two her last two wins are both by the spinning elbow uh so that's pretty impressive she's six and four in the ufc so she kind of she started off very uh, poor in the UFC. She's turned it around as of late. Besides her last fight, 
Uh, she's going against Stoliarenko, who honestly, to put it as nicely as possible, she struggled in the UFC. Uh, she's one in four, so she really needs a win right here. Yeah, her her last loss was to uh, was to Chelsea Chandler. Actually, uh, she was knocked out the end of the first round. First round, yeah. Um, but this is also her first fight in uh, flyweight, so. You know, I think she's trying to kind of stop her slide here, if if we could say that. You know, stop her losing efforts by changing weight classes, seeing if she can kind of generate more power in flyweight. Yeah, just trying to get some kind of grip, like you said, stop the slide. Right. Um, honestly, I think I think the UFC really likes Molly Meatball McCann. I really yeah. like Molly. I uh, I think they're kind of setting her up for a win here. She's she's the fan favorite. She's the the betting line favorite. She's one of the biggest favorites on the card, on the main event, on the main card. Minus two fifty five. I have her ass. I mean, and while you know Molly was sub- submitted last fight out, and Blanchfield is a legit like one of the best in the division. So that, that's not even a loss you can like hold against her. Right. That was actually what I was gonna say. While while she was subbed her last time out, and Stolia Stolia Renko's uh, wins usually come from submissions. I just I don't think that's going to happen here. I don't think we're going to be surprised by Stolia Renko losing here. Uh, and, you know, nothing against her. I think McCann just comes out the better fighter. Yeah, I have Molly McCann as my pick for this uh, for this fight. And actually, my last bet of the night, my third bet, is going to be the over two and a half rounds I have. Uh, so I have this fight going the distance. Now, moving on to the main event of the evening, we have Tom Aspinall versus Marcin Tiber, Tibura. At heavyweight... Uh, I think this is going to be a pretty crazy clash. We have uh, Tom Aspinall, kind of heavy favorite at minus 520. What do you think is going to go on here? So Tom, he's coming off his first loss in the UFC, but it, honestly it's hard to even count it as a loss. He got hurt. He hurt his knee 15 seconds into the fight against Curtis Blades. Uh, besides that, he's a finishing machine. 5-1 and one in the UFC, all five of those wins are finishes. All 12 of his wins are finishes. He's never been to the scorecard. He can sub guys. He can knock guys out. He's one of the most talented and exciting uh, heavyweight guys coming up. He's a guy that could definitely, uh, he seems like future title contender. Uh, I expect big things from Tom Aspen on this. Yeah, so with, with Tybura... His last three fights ended in decision. He's won two, lost one of those. He's my, won eight of his last nine fights, though, so he's been on a roll. Yeah. My my biggest thing to wonder, and the only reason I bring up the last three specifically, is because he's a heavyweight. They're both heavyweights. He's 37. You know, at, at a certain point, you just have to wonder, you know, like, is it is it a, a gas problem? You know, but I mean, he went to the, the, the all the way uh, in February, so... You know, I, I think that kind of plays to Aspinall's benefit. That's, in my opinion, that's why Aspinall's so heavy favored on this fight. Well, because he's they're... not going to the card, right? We, when Tibera needs, that's kind of what I'm saying. And what I'm worried about in Tibera's age is that he may need to go to the card to get the wins now. So he's losing some power, is what you're saying? Yeah, uh, the gas making him lose power. It's hard to make weight when you're having, you know, you're older, having to stay in camp six, eight weeks at a time. It's harder to recover. I think Aspinall's going to win here. He's a huge favorite. I have him I, right now at minus 405. So. See, I got him at minus 520. So he's a giant favorite in this. I also have Aspinall winning. I think he puts on a show. Coming back from injury, I think. 
front of the home crowd. I think this is going to be a, a great main card. Good show for the main card. Yeah, I think I think London, as far as homecoming uh, crowds are concerned, I think all the London uh, crowd is going to just be fantastic this weekend. Okay, so last week we did kind of a theme top five in honor of Robbie Lawler retiring. We did top five retired fighters. This week, the theme is London. Since we're in England, it's in London, it's in Great Britain. We're going to do a top five of our favorite British people of all time. Now, this could be real people. This could be fiction people. Fictionary. Fictional was the word I was looking for. Oh, damn. <laughs> I see... I just fucked myself over on that one. But yeah, so it could be real people, athletes, musicians, singers, whatever, characters. Um, Let's get it started. What's your number five, Alex? All right, so my number five, let me point out first, this list was hard for me. I uh, admittedly don't know a lot about a lot of things. What I do like, I know a lot about. Um, I did a lot of research for this. My number five is Stephen Hawking. I feel like he contributed a lot, um, and you know he was he was a pretty cool guy. He he faced his own adversity, and he overcame it in his own way. He, he was pretty awesome. I thought about having him on here. Uh, you know, he's one of those guys I didn't realize he was English, and it's 100% because I've only heard him talk in a computer voice. So there's not really a way to to know he's English. Yeah, he was wheelchair bound for a, a long time. Uh, he died in 2018. He was born, not the same year, but only four days after my birthday, which I thought that was pretty cool. Um, but, you know, he was a theoretical physicist, cos- cosmologist. Uh, he was actually a narrator of a few documentaries I watched when I was like a teenager. And just a pretty cool guy. He had a very positive outlook on life. Uh, inspirational to a lot of people. What about you? What's your number five? So my number five, there's something the fans should know. I'm a big, uh, I like soccer. I like watching European soccer. My favorite team is Arsenal, a team based in London, England. So my number five is their best player. He's one of the uh, most valuable uh, soccer players in the world currently. He's a great guy, huge talent, starts for England, starts for Arsenal, Bukayo Saka. I know you're not 100% familiar with him. I was about to say, Who? Bakayu Saka. All right. Well, you're gonna he's have a to... winger for Arsenal. I mean, he's uh, what is a winger? Soc- a winger. What is that? So that's a uh, he's an attacking player that plays on the outside. So he plays on the offense. You're gonna have to Ted Lasso if we're, this for If we're me, dumbing it down, yeah, he's an offensive guy. All right, thank you. He would be more along, uh, not quite, but more along the lines of Jamie Tart. Okay. See, thank you. I, that's a reference. But he's a good guy. Okay, so like a season Charitable. three Jamie Tart. Charitable. He's fantastic. He's a leader. He's brought Arsenal back. So that's my number five. Who do you have as number four? My number four. So th- this one, actually, let me say his name first, and I'll tell you my little like story. Paul McCartney. What do you think about him? I like Paul McCartney. I'm not a giant Beatles fan, but I respect and like Paul McCartney. I, I, I think he's probably my favorite Beatle. Uh, I was fortunate enough to have seen... I like him more than John Lennon. Hey-oh. I was fortunate enough to see both of the uh, surviving 
Beatles. Currently, I've seen Ringo Starr live, and I've also seen Paul McCartney live. And I'll say, that single thing is what solidified him for me. Seeing him live, he played a lot of Beatles songs, a lot of Wings songs. Uh, and, you know, that those memories just kind of stayed true through all these years. They're, they're really fond memories, very fun times. Band on the Run is one of my favorite songs of all time. He, when he did Let It Be Live, dude, it, it felt like, you know, you were almost being taken back in time. It was crazy. All right, so my number four, uh, Winston Churchill. So this guy, probably the, be- the best, uh, probably has the best quotes of anybody uh, recently in history. Uh, you just see his crazy quotes all the time. He had the crazy uh, breakfast routine where he would, dr- he would drink like scotch, have a giant meal at breakfast, all in bed, and do all that crazy stuff. I could get behind that. He, uh, they even portrayed him in Peaky Blinders. He was a, uh, he was like the the lead detective on, for the uh, for the government. Uh, he led England through World War II and helped defeat the Nazis. So that's probably his biggest accomplishment. Yeah, he was he was a very big inspiration to a lot of people. To a lot of people, uh, he's one of those guys that just in history he stands out. Uh, great leader, great quotes. Winston Churchill is my number four. That's crazy. That's your number four. Or number, number three. Four. It's my number four. That's crazy. So, my number three. It's kind of another guy that, that sits with me. Been kind of uh, through my whole life. I've seen him. This guy's Christian Bale. Oh, I wish I would have thought of him. I love Christian Bale. So, th- this, this is one of the lists that, you know... The best Batman, by the way. In my opinion, this... That There's no opinion. It's hands down. He's the best Batman. I, I agree with you. So listen, Christian Bale has been in crazy movies. He was in things most recently like Amsterdam and Thor. But things we remember more like The Dark Knight, The Fighter. One of my favorites. Um, Machinima. Dude, that movie was crazy. And Memento. Have you seen The Machinist where he got skinny? That was a crazy movie. Oh, that's, movie. that's what I was thinking about. Not Machinima, The Machinist. That's a crazy movie. That was a crazy movie. That dude, where he like, man. He went from Batman at 225 to The Machinist at like 125. He was in Public Enemies. He w- What was the movie? Uh, American Psycho. Dude. American Psycho, he was in. Oh, uh, yeah, that's one of his most iconic. I think that put him on the map. Um, the Big Short. The Big Short, just, he he's such a diverse actor. I honestly, when I was doing my research, he was not on my list. He's but, from Wales. But in my research, Low I found British. out he was uh, British. I thought he was Australian, so my apologies. Uh, but yeah, my number three, Christian Bale, all-time actor, very dynamic, crazy range. What you got for number three? So my number three, I went the music route, musician for number three. Uh, I went Jimmy Page, lead guitarist Led Zeppelin. He's regarded as one of the best and revolutionary guitar players uh, of all time and of his time, uh, of the greatest band of all time. Uh, so many good songs. He's still around today. He still can shred on the guitar. Uh, I mean, how can you not like Jimmy Page? So Jimmy Page, he's done pretty much all the guitar solos I could think about from Led Zeppelin, right? Yeah, he is the sole guitarist of Led Zeppelin. So that that's pretty crazy. That that's a solid one. I didn't think of. Uh, I honestly, I mean, I have a. I don't want to spoil my list, but I I I thought about singers, 
I did not think about Zeppelin, to be honest with you. Oh, they have a lot of great uh, British guitar players. So that's your number three, right? My number three, Jimmy Page. All right, Jimmy Page. Solid answer. My number two, also musician. This guy, I, I think everyone on the planet at some point in their life gets introduced to Queen. Oh, yes. Freddie Mercury's my number two. He's transformed many movies. He's transformed the music industry. There were full-fledged concerts, like worldwide concerts held when he died. He's an icon to everyone in the on the planet, in my opinion. Not only British people. Freddie Mercury's my number two. What do you think of that? I love Freddie Mercury and I love Queen, so I, I'm all aboard that. Uh, my number two, I went the fictional route for my number two. Uh, the one character you think of when you think of Secret Agent. He has a cool nickname, 007. My number two is James Bond. He's been around, I think, since at least the 60s, maybe the 50s. Uh, great movies in pretty much every decade since. The last few with uh, Daniel Craig. This has just been a all-time series, uh, all-time book, all-time character. So my number two uh, top Brit of all time, James Bond. I like James Bond. He, uh, unfortunately for me, I didn't think at all about the fictional route, or as I would call it previously, the fictionary route, because I'm a moron. Um... James Bond's a solid answer. When I was in middle school, I actually got, uh, you know those scholastic book fairs you go to when you're in school? I, uh, I stumbled across a young James Bond uh, like adventure series, kind of, you know, like Sounds a re- retelling. Dude, it was probably like three inches thick. It was the hardest read in the world. But now that, you know, I'm older, I kind of wish I would remember what any of it was about because I'm sure it was interesting. So let's go to our number ones. So, my number one is your number four, I believe. Winston Churchill. I like that pick. So, being a man from America, I don't feel appropriate naming the best British person. I looked on the internet, I scoured the place among, dude, like 20... 30 websites, Winston Churchill's listed as the number one British person ever. He was inspirational. You've already said it. He helped lead the way during the war. He helped beat the Nazis. He helped beat the Nazis. He had a killer eating habit, killer smoking habit. Drinking. He was a man of of mans. He could talk. He could write. He has some of the best quotes of all time. Listen. A man's man is Winston Churchill. Maybe the most quotable person of all time. Just a really good guy. Inspiration to all. Helped lead the war against the Nazis. My number one, Winston Churchill. I really like that pick. My number one, I went the fictional route again. Really? The fictional route again. I went, this man is a leader among ordinary men. Rose from literally the bottom all the way to a powerful politician. He became went from poor to rich. Who are you talking about? 
the leader of the Peaky Fucking Blinders. Are Thomas you serious? <laughs> Thomas Shelby, he's the best Brit of all time. I mean, there's just no doubt about it. He fought in World War One. As I said before, he rose from the bottom, became one of the most powerful people in England, ran one of the best illegal operations in in the country. I mean, even Winston Churchill tried to stop him, but he couldn't. You're right, actually. So Thomas fucking Shelby, he's my number one Brit of all time, and no matter what you say, I don't think you could change my mind. Honestly, here, I, I didn't... I know we even talked about it before. I don't think you ever told me your number one because I don't. I don't remember you saying it. That I. I completely forgot to go the fictional route. I would have had some cooler answers. I mean, I, I. My people were all like, you know. I thought you were gonna for sure hit me with Sherlock and Doctor Who. I never saw Doctor Who, but I. I appreciate you know it's it's timeliness over the course of the last fifty years, but dude. Thomas Shelby, when you, you put me on a Peaky Blinders, I'd never seen it. It already came out. I was able to binge that show in like two or three weeks. It, it was crazy. So It's a crazy show. I, I agree. A that, that's a solid number one. And honestly, the only I think one of the only people who could beat my number one, Winston Churchill. You know, just an equally inspiring man to, to fight against the tyranny that, that sometimes is the government. So there it is. There's our top five Brits of all time. I think we uh, we covered pretty much all bases. And, uh, well, there you go. So to kick off this week's news, canoes, however you want to call it, um, let's talk Francis Ngannou announcing his debut against Tyson Fury. Boxing debut. You've heard about that, right? I have. All right. Uh, Obviously, I don't think this was any surprise to anybody, but... Solid moves from Francis Ngannou, though. Yeah, this was all kind of his ploy to, you know, make as much money. I think Khabib said he was going to make like fifty to sixty million dollars with his plan, which Ngannou? is Ganu. Yeah, over the course of his like uh, fighting. Yeah, but this fight is for rumored to be at least over ten million. Yeah. So, but just still great. Yeah, honest. I it, he wasn't making that much with the UFC, so so smart business move with him. Um. But it seems like Ngannou's kind of played the petty card here. I just, I was doing some research, looking for news this week, and I found out that Ngannou has actually started and is featuring his own promotional company on uh, the Ngannou uh, Tyson Fury fight. That's how you make the real money. You don't want to know what it's called? What's it called? Gimmick Fight Promotions. G-I-M-I-K. And that, I can only assume, is... Uh, an alluded response to Dana White saying it's a direct that, response. Okay, more direct response to Dana White saying that Ngannou is only going to go box for gimmick fights. And I quote: "Well, Ngannou said if you want, you can use my promotional company to book whatever gimmick fights you want." Yeah, I, li- I like the power move by Ngannou here. Look, when when Dana's going to run slap, that's one thing, but Ngannou's over here to make. His own money, his own way, on his own terms. I respect it, and even more, I'm all for the petty card. All right, so next we got uh, these Bellator fighters. Have you seen this? I saw a bit about it on social media. Um, I made a joke about one of them, about when uh, Dana's the, the president. Obviously, it was a joke, but people are all up in arms about what I said. Yeah, so the Bellator fighters, 
they've been featured and found a few of them, a lot of the big stars on the UFC uh, website on the roster. Now, this is very interesting news. You got to wonder why they're on there, but I will say they have been on there for a few months. But that even ra that raises even bigger questions. A Bellator few months, really? A few months. Apparently, since April and March. Wow. And apparently, well, not apparently. Bellator is for sale. The PFL has been rumored to be one of the interested parties, but there might be something happening behind the scenes that we don't know about. So UFC was recently uh, purchased by the same company who owns the WWE, correct? Correct. I mean, what if it's just to not not unite, but kind of get under everything under the same management, kind of get everything going in the same direction. That way you, not unify, but, you know, collectively find a way to increase all promotions. I think the U.S. government might have some questions about some antitrust issues, but, you know, might as well try. Listen, if if all kinds of fights, you know, whether it's Bellator, PFL, uh, Bare Knuckles, it, whatever the case is, if all fights get better, I'm all for it. I, I watch fights as pretty much as a living at this point. All right, so my for my last story uh, that I found, it turns out um, kind of piggybacking off of the Meatball Molly fan favorite, jumping over to Patty the Batty, he's recently said that he's going to no longer be Fatty the Batty during uh, off-season. You know, he's going to try to stay in shape. He said he never hopes to reach 200 again. I mean, he fights at 155, so that should that should be a foregone conclusion. But this is good news because if he ever wants to take the next step in his career and actually be a real contender, he's going to have to stay in shape year-round. Listen to this. So we all know that Patty trains crazy hard during his camps to cut weight. Obviously, if he's talking about never wanting to be above 200 again, he gets over that sometimes or often when he's not fighting, which means you're cutting 40 to 50 pounds of weight just to fight. Now, some people may think that gives you a lot of power, but what it really does is it dehydrates you, it makes you lose a lot of muscle, and it makes you fatigue a lot quicker. Patty's new thoughts could make him kind of break into that next level, make him a contention fighter. Yeah, he still hasn't lost in the UFC. He had that very controversial win against Jared Gordon. He, he was given that. And he kind of, his hype has kind of fallen off since then, but you know, he, he went, he had surgery, he's recovered, he's taken a little break. If he comes out and he, uh, you know, has a new mindset, takes it serious, he can, he has a chance to take the next step. So, typically speaking on, on British things, you, you've heard of the Churchill meals, right? Correct. You eat, Burt Kreischer does it, he, he eats like for an entire day on Churchill Day, he eats like Winston Churchill. Do you know what Patty eats in a day? Oh, I've seen some YouTube videos where he's eating like five or six entrees at a dinner. All right. So one, this is one challenge I think me and you needed to do, and we need to film it one day. We need to eat like Patty the Batty one day on his next fight. On his fight card, we should eat like Patty the Batty. That's 8,000 calories in one day. I'm down for it. All right. Well, let's lock that in. Next Patty the Batty fight week, we're going to be eating for 8,000 calories apiece that entire day. Lock that in, and that's going to wrap up the news and lead us right into the final segment of the night, who would win? Are you ready for this? Let's go. My favorite part of the night. All right. So number one, I think 
I finally found kind of my metric for how I'm going to do this. I think I'm going to do a limb swap. So number one, David Beckham with kangaroo legs and tail, I guess, versus a kangaroo with David Beckham's legs. Kind of trying to keep to the London theme or the British theme for the evening. It's def- 100% it's David Beckham with kangaroo legs. That's not even a question. What's the kangaroo with David Beckham legs going to do? Oh, he's accurate as hell. You've seen those videos of of people yeah, boxing little, kangaroos. But they, the arms aren't what you have to watch out for. It's those fucking legs. You gave his best weapon and gave it away. Yeah, but just think about it. It's it's just a cool matchup. I also, I think half of me was just excited to uh, Photoshop David Beckham's body onto a kangaroo. That's it's, honestly a good reason enough. A good enough a reason for me. And, uh, you know, and... To be honest, a lot of people had a big problem with my gorilla versus crocodile debate. So, apparently, I'm not as smart as I thought I was. So, maybe this one's also one of those differing opinions. No, it's definitely David Beckham, kangaroo legs, all day. Okay, fair enough. So, moving on to number two. uh, This would be more of an obscure fight. Uh, I think my favorite of the three that I've gotten together... Uh, another British-themed uh, fight is going to be Simon Cowell versus Gordon Ramsay, but it isn't fisticuffs. It's only insults. insults. This might be the fight of the century. I mean, this is a hard one to, uh, to Listen, pick. You've got Simon Cowell on one end torturing my childhood with, with all of his American Idol insults. He killed those people. And then... Gordon Ramsay finishing off my teenage years with Kitchen Nightmares and, and what was the other one? Hell's Kitchen. Hell's Kitchen. Listen, he would call people donkeys. You asshole! I think you gotta go Gordon uh, Ramsay strictly because I think chefs are tougher people than like musical artists. I and think he if, broke down chefs. So I feel like if you can break down a chef with your insults, I mean a musical artist would be a walk in the park for him. I also think in that in that same space, while they're not allowed to use hands, I think Gordon Ramsay's size is going to play to a significant advantage there. Where you can he he's big enough to tower over you, screaming, "You donkey!" You know that I think that plays something like Shrek. Yeah, well, I mean he is British, <laughs> but yeah, I have. I think Ramsay wipes the floor with Cowell, and then my and last one. Off. Um, I wish I would have thought of one of these characters as my top five favorite British people, but playing into the theme throughout the entire night, uh, the last fight is going to be an all-out, all-out war. John Wick versus James Bond. So this is kind of a matchup. American James Bond versus the classic, Well, John Wick didn't work for the government, but... No, but it's it's kind of like our generation's storytelling of... John uh, Wick's all about revenge. No, but his profession. Before the revision, revenge, I'm saying. His profession yeah, before like an that assassin. was an assassin. Similar, very similar to the, uh, you know, kind of our storytelling scope of what we've seen James Bond do in recent I years. I love John Wick and I love Keanu Reeves, but I had James Bond as my number two bird of all time. I think it's James Bond all day. He has all the gadgets and everything. Um, so let's pose it. He doesn't fuck with dogs, so he wouldn't kill. 
Before, John Wick's dog. Before you go too far, let me set the stage a little bit. Okay? So my thought process in putting this whole one together is obviously the guys have to be motivated. <clears throat> so, John Wick's dog was killed by James Bond's love interest. Okay? The retaliation was James, John Wick killing the love interest of James Bond to get the attention of James Bond. So equal. God damn, you thought about it. This is a movie. Right. This is equal motivation here. Because you need both guys at their best. If, honestly, if, if it's just a dog, you know, James Bond's not going after it. You stated that. If it's just a girl, John Wick's not going after her. You have to have equal stakes. So what do you think when you stack the odds, James Bond's mistress is gone, the dog's gone? So go. I have a question. Have you seen the latest John Wick? No. So but I've seen the, the spoilers. So is he alive at the end? That's kind of the, the cliffhanger. It seems as though they, they're, they were waiting on a box office to tell the tale. So if there's a John Wick 5, they kind of left it open-ended with that intention. So my only thought is I had never seen John Wick die on screen. And we kind of saw, at least in the latest James Bond film, we saw him die on screen. But we've also seen nine generations of John, uh, James Bond. That is true. He's around in, from the 50s all the way to 2020s. Yeah, 2022 was the last movie. I think I still got to stick with James Bond. Uh, just with all the gadgets. I just, he's a literal secret agent. He's trained. Yeah. No, I, 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 I know John Wick's a top-end assassin, but I think I, I respected, think I gotta go James Bond. I respect it either way. I, I just... Kind of given my setup with with how I was kind of framing, you know, the thought of it, like put it in a in the in a cinematic scope. He killed a woman over a dog. It's definitely James Bond. The more I think about it. All right, thank you guys for listening to episode five of Split Decision. Check us out next week when we recap UFC London and take a look ahead to UFC 291 Poirier Gaethje for the BMF title. All of the gold mined on the entire planet can fit on a Wimbledon tennis court. Like and subscribe to this episode of Split Decision, and check us out at splitdecision.blog, where you'll find our most recent posts, videos, and all the links to our socials.